This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. The Supreme Court confirmation hearings for Judge Sonia Sotomayor continue on Capitol Hill with just a few missteps along the way, like, for example, misstating key facts in the most important takings case in decades. That according to Ilya Shapiro, editor of the Cato Supreme Court Review. This is the Super Bowl for us uh, legal policy wonks. This is what we've been training for all season. And uh, it's been uh, an interesting three-ring circus, as, as these things tend to be. The first day was kind of dull with all the different senators bloviating in their own separate ways, although a little bit uh, less of that now that Joe Biden's no longer on the committee. Um, Lindsey Graham has shown himself to be the, the star attraction, I think, on the Republican side, uh, both in his uh, opening statement when he said that unless she had a complete meltdown, she'd be confirmed, and also in his questioning, asking her the direct question of, well, uh, uh, there's all these allegations of your, of your bad temperament in reading them off. You know, what do you think about that? Um, I wasn't expecting her temperament to be questioned in that way rather than gotten at uh, indirectly to see how poised she would be in the committee. Um, but generally, I think the Republicans have stuck to their game plan of targeting uh, her greatest weaknesses, which are the wise Latina comment, uh, Ricci versus Stefano, the, the firefighters case, property rights in Kilo, um, you know, a lot of questioning on abortion and, and where she exactly stands there, uh, use of foreign law, all of these different things that have been uh, unearthed uh, more from her speeches, really, um, than her writings, than her judicial opinions, the, the two big judicial opinions being Ricci and, uh, and Didn't, the property rights case. Uh, but, you know, she's sticking to her game plan as well, talking slowly and deliberately, um, giving fairly complete answers, although, as, as I'll discuss shortly, uh, not always saying a lot by those uh, thorough answers. Um, I don't know how many uh, opinions have been changed one way or the other, um, I don't think that uh, her confirmation has been derailed. Specifically in the Kilo case, uh, a decision that she used in uh, forming a ruling in the Didden case, she made a pretty serious misstatement of fact about the Kilo case itself. That's right. It's interesting because Senator Grassley pushed her to talk about what she thought of the Kilo decision and more broadly uh, define the scope of Fifth Amendment protections for private property, especially in the light of her case didn't, making Kilo look a, like a great triumph for property rights. And she began this uh, you know, constitutional law seminar on Kilo, describing the case and the holding, and Grassley kind of got exasperated and kept pushing her and pushing her. Uh, and even though she you know, wasn't answering the direct question, she still managed to get Kilo a little bit wrong uh, by saying that it was a case involving blight rather than a transfer of, of, of uh, private property to another private person, uh, thinking that this would be a public benefit in terms of uh, greater tax revenue and, and so forth. She also made a, a little bit of a misstatement about Kilo involving uh, government contracting with developers. It, it wasn't that. It was a takings case. Uh, and whether a taking from private party A to private party B uh, was legal. Uh, she refused to even answer the question of whether uh, a taking that was uncompensated would be unconstitutional. All she said was the very circular, well, if a taking is unconstitutional, I will strike it down. Um, you know, not very elucidating. Given that she said if a taking is unconstitutional, she'll strike it down, or if, if a law is unconstitutional, she'll strike it down. But in her uh, testimony, she has said, that she is utterly obedient to precedent. 
and has repeatedly said that. I guess that's common. It's common and it's expected from lower court nominees. When you're when you're a Supreme Court nominee, uh, yes, there's this concept of stare decisis that you're bound by the past uh, rulings of the court to a certain extent, less or more. And there's a there's a big academic debate about that. But uh, the senators are rightly probing her uh, larger judicial philosophy and asking her about the Constitution's first principles, not uh, you know, trying to throw a, a first-year law student exam about what the Supreme Court's precedent is. Uh, they're not asking her to you know, try to um, tweak her on whether she's, she's read the cases. And it's frustrating to listen to this um, because either uh, she doesn't have a, a defined... Uh, big picture view of legal theory and and constitutional interpretation doesn't apply a particular methodology, uh, which is disturbing because you want someone who kind of knows what they're doing and has a a larger view uh, if you're going to put them on the Supreme Court, or she's simply being disingenuous. Uh, And that that is, both of those are disconcerting. Um, It's it's interesting that she doesn't use that much this response, the stock response that I can't answer a particular question because that case might come before me. She's used that a few times, mostly appropriately, actually. Uh, but rather than that, she keeps saying, well, I can tell you what the precedent is and goes on to list you know, the top five cases in that given area. Again, uh, a great primer if the senators were first-year law students looking to prepare for their exam. But they're trying to get some insight into how she thinks about the Constitution, uh, not uh, you know, whether she uh, is doing her job as a judge right now based on the precedent before her. I guess it strikes me as a little bit of window dressing or something that is uh, purposefully uh, discussed uh, in a way that meant it's meant to make her appear arrogant or dumb. But what is what is really the relevance of her comment regarding being a wise Latina? This goes to her academic and political formation in the 70s and early 80s when postmodernism was all the rage combined with ethnic activism um, and moral relativism, all of these different isms. I mean, essentially what she's saying is the reverse of what Sandra Day O'Connor was saying when she said uh, that a wise old man and a wise old woman, if they were good judges, would reach the same result. She's saying the opposite, even though she now claims that she was patterning herself on O'Connor. I don't really get that. But she's saying that a, that a wise Latina, because of her special background, uh, would, reach, would view the law differently, reach a different result, and need a better result. And uh, this essentially is, is displaying a view of the law that uh, where you stand depends on where you sit, and that uh, people that come before her in court might be treated differently based on their background or the background of the judge. It's the, this, this, this kind of empathy uh, uh, view of the law, which is the very antithesis of the rule of law. Ilya Shapiro is a senior fellow in constitutional studies at the Cato Institute. You can get the latest issue of the Cato Supreme Court Review at cato.org.